today about some lights and some different things that we got going on. Are y'all ready? Thank you for, yes, raring to go. And, and thank you for, for being the body of Christ and for, for praying for folks and for doing these things. And it's just, it's wonderful to be one in unity and in spirit in the Lord as, as we pray for folks. And, you know, we, we put some oil on them and we pray, but it's all through God. You know, it, it says in, in the word of God that let those who are sick to go to the elders of the, of the body of Christ and they will anoint them with oil and the prayers of faith will save them and will heal them. So it, it's nothing in us. It's nothing in the oil. It's you're doing it by the word of God and through that faith and through the faith of the one that you're praying for who has asked for that. That is where God steps in and performs the healing. It's nothing with any of us. So, But we thank you for for just continuing in prayer for everyone. And uh, last week, we had one of the most beautiful passages in the Word of God, didn't we, in Zechariah chapter 3. I mean, it, it was one of the most beautiful things about our salvation and about standing in the courtroom scene and seeing that Jesus rebukes the devil and tells him to get out of the way and, and he cleanses you and puts on the new garments and the new helmet. But we're going to... We're going to move on now to the next vision in Zechariah chapter 4. So if you want to turn your Bibles there into Zechariah chapter 4, that's where we're going to go. And this one here is fascinating as well. And this one goes really deep. And I'm going to have to get on my horse so that we can get this thing going. Um, you know, to be interested in the kingdom of God is to be interested in the things that God's word says. And especially the things that it says that are going to take place and going to happen in the future. Um, in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 2, I love this verse. I say it every once in a while just to keep it in our memories. Listen to what Proverbs 25 2 tells us. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search out the matter. That means God, it tickles him. It brings glory to him to hide things in his word. And he wants us, his, his kingdom of priests and kings, he wants us to serve, search out those hidden things, to dig in. And then when he reveals those hidden things to us, it becomes a blessing of glory and honor upon us that he can share with us. But he loves to place things in his words and see if we can find it out. And uh, in Revelation chapter 19, right there you have the 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 bridal scene where where the lord it's the marriage ceremony and the supper and the and we're all gathered together there's the bride of christ the you and i the body of christ is also the bride of christ is the way it's portrayed in the scriptures and during that feast whenever that's at in verse 10 John, when he's witnessing this this feast and we're all getting our robes our white robes and getting ready uh, for eternity it says I fell at his feet and this angel that was with John told him he said don't do that don't worship me I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren for the testimony of Jesus Christ worship God and then he says the angel told John for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy so the testimony about the Lord is the spirit of prophecy. It's to, to bring about the things that he's going to do and what's going to happen with us. 
this scripture. Everything that we see in the Old Testament was to reveal things. It was to, to bring us to Christ, it says. It was for our learning. And the Old Testament is the things in the Old are revealed in the New. And the New Testament reveals all of those things. And we're going to see that today. And if Zechariah chapter 4, if you're there with me, this is one of those scriptures. This is one of those chapters in the Bible that's going to be something that physically takes place. It was something that was for that time, but it was also, just as the scriptures teach, it was a shadow of things that are still to come. And so we're going to take a look at that and see if we can unpack it. So if you're with me, we're going to change up a little bit this time. Instead of going one verse, I'm going to, I'm going to read it all in one so that we can just see the whole picture unfold before us. And in verse 1, it says, The angel who talked with me. So this is Zechariah writing. The angel that had been talking with me came back, and he awakened me as a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? And so I said, I'm looking. And there, there, there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And there's a stand there with seven lamps on it, seven pipes that lead to the seven lamps. And there's two olive trees that are by it. One's on the right side of the bowl and one's at the left. And so I answered and I spoke to the angel who was talking with me saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And he answered me and said, This is the word of God to Zerubbabel. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? For you will become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone, with shouts of grace, grace to it. And moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of his temple. His hands shall also finish it. And then you will know. You see everything in here so that we all know. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the entire earth. And then I answered him and said, What are these two olive trees? The one at the right of the lampstand and the one at the left. And I further answered and said to him, What are the two olive branches that are dripping into the receptacles of the two gold pipes? which the golden oil drains. And he answered me and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the entire earth. Let's pray over the reading of the word of God. We haven't done that this morning. We changed up. And Father in heaven, we humbly bow. We thank you for this day in Christ Jesus. This first day of the week that we can come together to worship you, to sing your praises, to pray, to, to seek your healing and your guidance. And Father, we have fellowship with you and your word. We thank you for your word. It is so precious. 
It is like honey upon our lips whenever we taste it. And so may we just enjoy the fellowship and the reading of your word. And I pray your blessing over it this day, Father. And I pray that the Holy Spirit that dwells within us will help us to understand it, to make it real. And may the things that we study today become a foundation of faith going forward for the rest of our life. And Father, I'm, I'm of the understanding of your word that maybe the only thing that we take with us from this life that we, can, that we take and we share in our memory is your word, for it lives and abides forever. Second Corinthians chapter 5 kind of leads to believe that we're going we're gonna to take not only that, but that you're going to make all things real unto us and we will know all things whenever we get there to be with you. But for now, we pray that you will make this portion of Scripture come alive and applicable to us today so that we may serve you better, Father. And we ask these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Okay, Zechariah, let's go back up there to verse 1 again. Let's, let's start this thing and let's see if we can understand what's really going on in this vision. And so the teaching angel that's been talking to him. Zechariah, we've already seen in three chapters, he had all those visions come about. You remember that? He saw the rider on the red horse who was out there even in the valley in the low points of their time. He was right there with them and he was around them. And then we saw the vision with four horns and the four craftsmen that was going to take care of that situation. And then we moved on last week to chapter 3. And we saw uh, the, the sign of Joshua, the high priest, in the courtroom of heaven with the Lord as, as his admonition and the one who stands with him. And Satan was trying to accuse him and the Lord didn't allow that. And he said, no, he's one of mine and he's been forgiven. And he put on the new garments upon him and took care of him. And, and you can imagine that after all of that exhilaration of seeing that scene and doing all that, that he's probably wore out, you know. Because, I mean, it was nighttime anyway. He was trying to get ready to sleep and he's, and he's having these visions. So now it, it's like, oh, wow, he saw that sweet vision of the Lord's redemption in, in the courtroom scene. And you can see that he's drifted off. And now here in the first verse it says, not so fast, Zechariah. That teaching angel comes back and he says, not so fast, wake up, get up now. And so he said, we wakened me as one out of a deep sleep. Man, he, he had been out there. And he said, wake up, get with it now. And he says, uh, what are these? What do you see? And he's like, wait a minute, I'm looking. You know how it is when you first wake up and you're in that deep sleep and someone's trying to tell you something, you're saying, hold on a minute. And he says, I'm looking, I'm looking, what do I see? And he says, do you know what these are? He says, well, I'm, I'm looking, and, and he says, do you, what do you see? He said, I'm looking, and there's a lampstand of solid gold, and the bowl on top of it, and he's going on with everything that it is, and he says, you know, there's this uh, seven lampstands and the seven pipes and everything going on with it. And he says, do you know what you see? And he says, no, my Lord. And I, I want you to know that I love that portion. No, my Lord, I don't. You know why? Because a lot of people, I've been guilty of this, I don't know about you, but when someone asks you a question, and especially around something around the Bible, and they're thinking that you should know what you're talking about, you don't like to say, no, I don't, do you? 
You'd like to come up with some kind of an answer. You'll look at it and, and you'll come up with something that sounds good to you real quick. It may be right or it may be wrong, but I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't want to look silly or foolish. I love the humility and the honesty of Zechariah here. Because that angel just says, what, what is this? What do you see? What, do you know what it is? And he's like, no, I don't. I, I hope you're going to tell me. And I, I love that. You know, uh, a wise man once told me, and I'll never forget it. Here's something that you can write down and take to the bank. The only sure way to never learn anything or learn the truth about something is to think that you already know it. Because whenever you think that you already know the truth and I already know everything about it, then you close your mind off to any further revelation that might come to you. So here, I'm so thankful for this example for us. No, I hope that you're going to help fill me in on this, that I, I will learn. Um, you know, I, I wrote on here, here's a little joke. I wrote on that about closing your mind off to stuff and, and to think you already know the truth. My father-in-law has a saying. He says, uh, yeah, I've been wrong once in my life, and that's when I thought I was wrong and I was really right. <laughs> And I wrote, I can't say that because you know how many times I've been wrong? Thousands. I've been, I've, I've been wrong so many times. So you've got to have an open mind. You've, you've got to continue learning. You've got to continue that, that search for what is truth. And Zechariah impressed me here. An angel asked him, do you know what's in this vision? Uh, and he says, no, I really don't. I'm hoping that you're going to tell me. You see, we... To know what this passage of scripture is supposed to mean. He doesn't know everything but he knows some things. Some of this is familiar to him and some of it's brand new. So we've got to catch up to speed with what he knew. And then we will learn from that point the things that he didn't know about. And he says I want you to help me with these. So the, the center of this vision is the lampstand isn't it? It's all about the lampstand and what is going on around it. So he is of the priestly lineage, Zechariah is. Joshua, the high priest, was his cousin. And so as, as a priestly line, you begin learning as a young person about what goes on and about how to serve so that when you come of age to be able to serve in that tabernacle or in that temple, you, you, you know what you're going to do and you can perform those. I mean, they really were trained all of their life for this. They didn't get to start in that ministry until age 25. So from about 10 to 25, you're learning all of these things. So he already knew some stuff. What did he knew? Well, in uh, Exodus 25 and 37, one of them's the Moses telling them what they're going to build. And the other one is they are in the process of building it. In Exodus 25, we'll take that one with us. And at verse 31, we get to the golden lampstand. So here's the centerpiece of our vision in Zechariah. And here's what we need to know. You will make it of pure gold. All of it. Matter of fact, it'll be one huge chunk of gold. And the artisans will hammer this entire thing out of a solid piece of gold. Think about that. I mean, they got a chunk. And... And the talent of, of this artisan that God had given to him was to be able to, to warm it, to soften it, 
and to hammer it to fashion this beautiful lampstand that they're going to have with all kind of adornments. It'll have the center shaft that runs up through it. And then from the center shaft, it says it has branches that come from each side, three from each side that go from bottom to top, smaller to larger, these branches are. And each one of them will be attached to the center shaft. Each one of them will have a bowl on top that is an oil lamp holder that will hold the wick and the ornaments down through it will be hammered from that piece of gold verse 32 there will be the center shaft and six branches three on one side and three on the other and they will have ornaments of almond uh, blossoms on it and several of them if you actually do the Berean chapters this week and look and then in verse 37 there are seven lamps total There's the center and three on each side and it's to be arranged and set up in the tabernacle or in the temple in a fashion that the lights shine outward into the room. It's going to be next to a wall and it's going to be shining through the room and it will be the only light that is on the inside. And then there's something odd in verse 38. The wick trimmers. So you're going to also make wick trimmers out of this solid gold and a tray And it's going to be there. And then he says, make them all after the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. So, well, Moses was 40 days and 40 nights up there on the mountain. He wasn't just doing nothing. The Lord was talking to him, but he was also giving him everything that was going to be built about the tabernacle, about all the stuff that was going to be inside, about all of the things that was going to be required of him for worship. I mean, he was getting a handful of knowledge during that time. And here's a, an artist's rendition of what that, that would look like. You know, they've made another one up for the future temple that's supposed to be built. They've already got the menorah. But that's the word for lampstand in the Hebrew is menorah. And there you see the center shaft. All of this was out of one piece of gold. And you see the center shaft and you see the three branches on each side that comes from that and it makes seven total and and you can see the ornaments that it has on there its purpose was to light up the darkness of the house of god the holy place in the tabernacle and later the temple it was totally enclosed and it was totally dark and you know what the menorah represents represents the lord jesus christ and it represents us In John 8, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows after me shall not be in darkness, but have the light of life. John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was nothing that was made that was not made by Him. And then it goes on to say in verse 4, And in Him was life, and life is the light of of men and that light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended at night not and in verse 9 he says i am the true light which gives light to every man coming into this world but john 3 jesus would tell nicodemus the light has come into the world but men love darkness rather than light for their deeds are evil Everyone that practices evil hates the light and doesn't come near it because their works will become exposed. So Jesus is that light of the world. He is the light that gives life.
to us and that light of the world comes to us. We have also been commissioned to be light bearers for Jesus with him because we're in Christ. Our commission is to do that as well. Do you remember the Lord in Matthew chapter 5, when he began giving that Sermon on the Mount, he was given the blessed are those, the blessed are those. You get down to verse 14, and he told all of us, what did he say? You are the what? You're the light of the world. So we are lights with him. We are to be joined with him of being a light. You are the light of the world, folks. And a lamp is not lit to be hidden. It is not lit to have darkness surround it or to be put under a basket. No, do you all know that song? Oh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Put it under a basket. No, I'm going to let it shine. So that's, that's the purpose. So we are lights for mankind and we're supposed to let our little light shine along with him. And we're supposed to be out in front just as Jesus said also in John 15. If you look there, you remember that, that story where he said, I am the vine, and you are the what? What was the word that it said was coming off of the center stem? The branches. You see, he is the vine, we are the branches. He is the center, he is the light. We are attached to him. We are the branches that also bear light unto this world. So this is the analogy of the lampstand. It's all hammered in from one piece. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, we are all what? One. We are one in him. Man, everything about anything in the Old Testament, and especially the things that pertain to the tabernacle, all speak of Jesus. He said to the Pharisees the one time, you guys all search throughout the Old Testament text because you think that in those words of God you will find life. And he says, yea, you will, but every page speaks of me. Every bit of it was teaching about Jesus Christ. And here, now why is there six branches? Do you have any idea why there's the six branches and then the one centerpiece? What's the number of man? What's going to be the number of the Antichrist? The number of man is six, but whenever you add Jesus to it, it makes seven and makes it perfection. So it's the number of man. It is mankind connected to the stem, connected to Jesus. I mean, boy, we could, we could go deep in all of these analogies of what's really going on here. So it, that's, that's what it is. We are light bearers within that light stand that represents Jesus Christ and us, his church collectively. Revelation chapter 1. Just in case you don't believe me yet, if you want to hold the place in Zechariah and go to Revelation 1 with me, I'm going, to, I'm going to hopefully convince you that this is all true. In Revelation 1, John is there. He's going to get revealed to him what the Lord God wants him to know about Jesus Christ and to share that with us. That's in verse 1. The things that's going to shortly take place, and that word is tacos for shortly, and it's the, like where we get tachometer. For all of you guys and gals that know about engines and you see the tachometer that's on there whenever you hit the gas, what it means is, is, is throughout history that tachometer is in idle. It's on like 1,000 RPM. But whenever things start to happen at the end times, it's going to happen tacos. It's going to happen quickly, just like whenever you, the light turns green and you hit the gas 
and, and the tachometer rises because now you're squalling tires and you're getting out of there. That's what that word means. He's, he's getting revealed the things about Jesus that God wants to show his servants, you and I, of the things that's going to shortly come to pass. And then he gets down there and he says, I'm on the Isle of Patmos. I'm here for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he was in the spirit in the Lord's day, which is the first day of the week, Sunday, like we're here today. We're worshiping in spirit and in truth. He was there upon the Lord's day doing the same thing. And he hears this voice behind him and it starts talking. And he turns around to see who it was that he's talking to. And he sees Jesus there in verse 12, if you're looking, that I highlighted in red. The voice that spoke to me, I turned and he was among the golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands was one like the Son of Man. So the Lord Jesus Christ was there in the middle of seven lampstands. And how do we know what they are? The Bible explains itself. In verse 20, the mystery of the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So the church, the people of God represent the lampstand now. That's what we are. We're to be the light bearers in this dark world. We are his ambassadors to bear that light. So now we're, we're pretty much getting caught up with what Zechariah knew about the lampstand and what it was supposed to be and what it was to represent. Now in, in Exodus chapter 27, there's also something else that we need to, to take a look at. And here's what... Here's what else he knew and what we need to know. Now, this is precious for us. Since we are, as, as an individual lamp, that's you and I personally. But together, conglomerately attached with Christ, we are the church, the body of Christ, as that light bearer as well. So, since I am that lamp and part of that light and I have that oil and I have that wick, in Exodus 27 and verse 20 and following, it says, You are now to command the children of Israel. So this is the Lord speaking to Moses and telling Aaron and the priests what they're going to do and the children of Israel. The children of Israel will bring you pure oil of the pressed olives for the light. You've got to have fuel, don't you? To have the fire, you got to have the fuel. you got to have the oil. So the job of all of the Christians was to, to have the oil, to bring the oil to, to the priests who were going to put it there and supply it there. Why? It says, for the light to shine, to cause the lamp to burn continually. That light was to never go out. That light was supposed to be never extinguished. It was supposed to continually burn for the glory of God inside that, that tabernacle and that temple day and night, 24-7. It was to burn in the tabernacle of meeting, outside the veil. So it was right outside the holy of holies, but it was in the holy place. And it says, it is before the, the testimony of the ark and the veil. Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening and morning before the Lord. This shall be a statute forever for your generations on behalf of the children of Israel. And the same thing is in Leviticus 24 and in Numbers 8. It talks about tending the light, what your duties is as priests. We are priests unto God. We are a part of that household of priests. So what was the job of the priest? The priest's job was to go in and they did two things. 
there was an altar of incense there. And incense represents prayer. And so they would have the fire stones on there. They would place your coals and you would place your incense. And that would rise up to God. And that's like our prayers. So the first thing I'm supposed to do morning and night, I should be praying. And I should be praying to the Lord about my situation in life and about the things that are going on and for the other people who need it. And then it says that the duty of the priest was to go over to the menorah, to that candle, uh, to the lampstand, and to, to check it, to make sure they filled the, the volume of the lamp oil they filled it in the morning and they filled it at night and they checked the wicks and that's why they had those little wick trimmers. I'll give you another lesson one day on the wick trimmers because that's pretty special too. But anyway, so if, if that wick was getting short or if it was too much burned and causing a problem, they would trim the wick or fashion a new one and put it with it and then they would fill the oil so that the light would shine day and night. I need to examine myself, my vessel, my lamp, my vessel of who I am, morning and night. Am I full of oil? What's oil? Oil is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and He's the one who gave the Word of God, and Jesus is the Word, and guess who dwells within me? The Spirit and Jesus Christ. So now, they are in me. I am supposed to see, am I, am I being filled with the Spirit and with His Word? Or am I rejecting him? Am I grieving him? Am I causing problems? Am I refusing the spirit and starting to walk in my own carnal ways? I need to examine my vessel, my lamp. Is it full of oil? Do I have the Holy Spirit? Do I have the word of God in me? And is my light shining? Is my wick trimmed? And is it burning from that? And so that's the things that that goes along with the lampstand and what it's supposed to be for and how you tend to it. And that is who and what we are as the lights of the world. And now we're pretty much getting caught up with Zechariah. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with that sometimes. I mean, every single day to be bubbly and cheerful and just, you know, hallelujah and praising God. Man, we have problems in life sometimes, don't we? And we have illnesses and we have aches and pains and we've got people that are hurting us and we've got things that goes on. And so, but morning and night. I, I don't want to let those things go too long and I don't want them to get out of hand. So morning and night, I've got to center myself and I've got to fill myself with oil and I've got to keep that wick lit and keep it going on. And so then... These are the things that, that Zechariah knew. But there's some other things that boggled his mind. Because this new vision that the angel and the Lord was giving him threw him a curveball. Because now there's some things going on that's attached. So back to Zechariah chapter 4 again. It says now when he said what do you see? He said well there's the lampstand. I'm familiar with that but something's different. Look at verse 2. I see the lampstand. But this one has a reservoir bowl over the top of it. And from that bowl, there are these seven pipes that each go to the seven lamps that are upon the lampstand. And then beside the bowl, there are two olive trees. One olive tree on the left and one on the right. And they have the branches that come in and drip oil from the olive trees into the reservoir 
that's above the candelabra or the candlestick, the lamp stand, basically. And then that goes in and feeds those lamps so that they never run dry. And so that's where Zechariah says, man, I don't understand all of that. I have no idea and clue what those mean, Lord. And so the angel replies to him and he says, this vision is what the word of the Lord wants you to give to Zerubbabel. Now, we saw Joshua last week. Now we're getting Zerubbabel coming in. Zerubbabel is the political leader. He is of the lineage of David. He could be a king, but he will not be anointed king. He will only be the leader. There will be no anointed king from the time of that fifth cycle of discipline that we saw last week in 586 when the temple was destroyed and they went into captivity. There will be no king until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again and is anointed king for that millennium kingdom. And he's going to be set on the throne of David forever as been promised. There would be not another one. They would only have the leaders or the rulers that would come in. And so Zerubbabel is that leader. And what's the message to him? Well, if, if we saw last week that Joshua is going to, you're going to rebuild the temple and Joshua is going to be the high priest, what's the high priest tend to? The candles, the, the lampstand, which is the light to the world. In other words, for the nation to be the client nation unto God, the priest, the, 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 those who know the law and teach the word of God have to be on board. That was Joshua last week. But who else has to be on board? The leadership, the, the rulership of the nation. Because if the rulership isn't on board, they can nix everything. And that's why we, we pray for our godly leaders so that we can worship and we can come together. And so the leadership has to be on board. So that's why you have the leadership in Zerubbabel now coming in on board with this. And it, it, it has to happen that way for Bible doctrine and the word of God. In other words, the lampstand to shine brightly in the nation and in the dark places. You have to have both of them on board. So Zerubbabel is going to come on board now and repent again because 14 years ago, 14 years ago, he started building that temple to rebuild it again. And he started laying the foundation of it. And he, he got some opposition to him. And that's where we come in with uh, verse uh, 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, now you're going to become like a plain. You see, the great mountain was the powers that was, and it was the opposition that came to him. In my studies this week, I, I went through um, a little bit in Ezekiel, but I went through Ezra, I went through Hosea and, and Haggai. Haggai and Ezra especially talk exactly about all of this situation that's going on here. And, and what happens is, is... 14 years ago, he had went and he had started laying that foundation. And some of the Gentiles of the land that came in during those 70 years and were living there now, they said, let us help you build this temple to your God. And because uh, we, we're going to worship him too. That was deceitful. They had no, no desire to do that. What they wanted to do was to hinder the progress. And Zerubbabel told him, said, no. You Gentiles aren't going to help us build this temple. We will do it ourselves unto our God and we will worship him. 
Well, since they couldn't hinder the work from the inside, they started hindering it from the outside. They was trying to attack them. The people of God was having to work with a sword in one hand and the stones in the other. And then uh, they wrote a letter to the ruler that was at that time and said, these people are trying to do this. And the ruler then stopped them from building it and, and stopped it cold. So you had a mountain of opposition up against it. And what, what uh, Haggai is, is a contemporary of Zechariah. He had a short ministry, only about a month. And what he told him was, it's been 14 years. And what Haggai said, you folks are sitting around. So the other opposition is the lackadaisical attitude of the people. He said, you guys have been sitting around for 14 years. And you came back and you built your own house and it's all paneled up. And man, it looks pretty. But the house of God is lying in ruins and it doesn't mean a thing to you. You could care less. And he said, it's time. It's time to get off your duffs and off your tails and get moving and build me my house so that the world will see my house and glory of God will start shining again in the light. And so that's what started getting their tails in motion. And that's where the, you go, Zechariah, now, and you tell Zerubbabel, who's been sitting around for 14 years and letting the opposition stop him, and you tell him that the Lord says, it is not by your power, it is not by your might, but it is by my spirit that we will get this thing done. And as soon as the church of the Lord begins to realize that we're all in this thing together, and it's not by our power or might, but it's by our anointing with Jesus Christ on that lampstand attached to him that through my spirit we will get things done. We need to join up in prayer with that and say, it's not our power, but it's yours, God, and we're putting this in your hand, and we're believing in what you're going to get ready to do. So you tell Zerubbabel that, and you tell him not to be afraid anymore. Go out there and rebuild that thing. Your hand is going to start it, your hand will now finish it and you will place the capstone, the final piece, on there with your own hands. And then you will know that I am God and my word is true and that I, Zechariah, was sent from God because whenever God's prophet speaks and it comes true, you know it was from the word of God. So that's what's going on. He had a mountain of opposition of rebuilding the temple. He had... The Gentiles, he had the foreign rulers, he had the lackadaisical people who didn't want anything to do with it. And he says, get rid of the opposition. My spirit is with you now and you will be like a bulldozer to that mountain and you will flatten it out and it will be like a plain and you will rebuild my temple. And whenever you put that capstone in, what's the bottom of the verse say? What are you going to shout? Grace. Grace to it because everything that happens and everything that we do is through the grace of God and by his works, isn't it? So he said, give credit to the Lord of hosts that has sent me and give him the praise and that it was through his grace. So Jerusalem is where my house is going to be built and that's where it's supposed to be and it's going to be a light to the world, to all of the world. But the house, then to the nation, to the world, but it needs light. So it needs oil, and it needs wicks, and it needs the, the, the lampstand, and it needs the, the temple to be rebuilt. And I need Joshua, and I need Zerubbabel both in this thing. So now, then we have to get going. 
So we got the leaders on board and the light's getting ready to shine. And now look at verse 11 up there. In verse 11 it says, he goes, I know about the candlesticks, uh, the, the lampstand, but what, what are the two olive trees? There's one on the right and one on the left. And what is it that, that they're draining into there? Their branches are dripping the golden oil into that reservoir. And what are these? And he says, you don't know what they are? And he says, no, tell me. So again, he's like, no, I don't. And he says, these are the two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth. The two anointed ones that stands before the Lord of the whole earth. Now, this was for that time and this all happened. But this is also the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ behind it. And it's the spirit of prophecy for something that's going to happen in the future that has not yet come. So now, with all of these things that we've learned today about how to apply these to our life, to be the light, to be the lamp, to have the oil, to, to check myself, to have my wick burn, I want to show you how beautiful this is about the spirit of prophecy because everything in the Old Testament is revealing something in the New Testament. So, now, we're going to be filling this with oil the light is always supposed to be burned i've i've covered this there give me there's the picture of what what that looked like he knew the bottom part but he didn't know the reservoir the tubes the olive trees the oil draining you know why the oil was like this you know what this was set up basically it was zerubbabel and joshua taking in the word of god the olive trees and from taking that they would digest that and they would teach it to the people. And that would be the oil going into the reservoir of their teaching. And going to the lampstand to everyone to be the light. So it starts and gets disseminated. And then everybody takes that and goes. And that's what we're doing here today. But now I want to show you what it means for the end times in Revelation 11. Go ahead and give me that, Miss T. Yeah. So in Revelation 11, if you want to go there, you can. So here's what it means for the end times. This is beautiful. I was given a, a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood there saying, rise and measure the temple of God. Isn't that how we started out in chapter 3 with Joshua? That the man with the measuring rod was coming out and was going to measure. So everything from Zechariah is being played out in Revelation. So it says, you see, this is going to tell you how the things at the end is going to be. Because... There's still a temple that needs to be rebuilt, isn't there? The third temple is going to be rebuilt. And this is a picture of what happened then is going to happen now. There's opposition to it. There's going to be great opposition coming up to, to Christians and to the temple and to the word of God. And he says, I'm going to measure to see what's out there, the angel said. Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is on the outside and do not measure it. It was given to the Gentiles. You know, the Gentiles is going to trot under it for, for three and a half years. And, uh, and we are in a, a time of Gentiles right now. It's not the time of Israel. But anyway, verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses. To my what? Two witnesses. How many olive trees were there? Okay, I'm going to give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy. That's teach. And talk and tell about the word of God. In other words, they're distributing oil. So I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will 
prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. That's three and a half years. That's half of that tribulational seven-year period. Oh, my. We've got all this going on. But now look at verse 4. There are two, what? There are two olive trees and two lampstands before the God of the whole earth. That was the last thing that we just saw in Zechariah 14. The same thing. These are a shadow of the things to come. It's revealing what's going to happen in that end times as things is coming together for the rebuilding of that third temple and for what's going to happen. So these olive trees come into focus with the great opposition to God and the church. And there are the two witnesses that are going to be for the God of the whole world. They're filled with the spirit of God and the word of God. And they're prophesying to the people to try to be a light in a time of darkness so that they might be saved. But then it says that, that fire proceeds from their mouth to those who tried to harm them. And they, they burn them up. But then they're going to be killed. And they're going to die. And, uh, you know, to just throw this in, Zechariah, one of those witnesses, I don't know what happened to Joshua, I haven't found that yet, but Zechariah was murdered, just like these two witnesses in Revelation. If you want to write down Matthew 23 and verse 35 and Luke 11, verse 51, it's Jesus tells them that, that Zechariah was slain just outside the temple, between the temple and the altar, for the, for the word of God and his testimony, the oil that he was sharing. So just like Zechariah, these ones will be murdered as well. And it says that their bodies won't be put in graves. They're going to leave them out there for everyone to see. And it says in, in Revelation 11 and verse 10, that they all were rejoicing. That they were all, the entire world was happy to see that those two witnesses had been murdered for the cause of Christ. Is that a, not a sad portrait of what the world will be as it keeps going and getting further into this thing? It says that they, you know, that verse, Revelation 11.10, is the only celebration that happens during that tribulation time. And happens in the book of Revelation. That's the only time. And what were they celebrating? That, that the two men of God. The two witnesses died. Sad commentary on where we're going. But anyway. Surprise. Look at verse 11. Surprise comes. All these who were watching them. And looking at the ones who had died. And celebrating. And just, just having a good time. After three and a half days. Man, any time you see the word three days, three and a half days, what do you think of? Victory in Jesus, resurrection from, from the grave, the power of God over sin and evil. Anytime you see three or three and a half days, know that it's talking about a change. And it's talking about a change by the victory of God. So after three and a half days, it says that the breath of life came back into them. And they rose back up into their bodies again. And the Lord said, come on up here. And he brought them all up. That's kind of like a picture of us too, isn't it? And he's going to say one day, come on up. And we're going to come up and join him in that victory. And it says the, all the rest of the people now, great fear came upon them for what they see. And then in verse 15, I told you it was going to be victory. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire book. Verse 15, it says, the seventh angel now sounded. 
Loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. There's, there's when the, the throne of God, the throne of David, gets anointed with the true King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 19, the temple of God, the temple of God is open in heaven. The ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and the victory is being won. And so shall all of this be played out in the last days of what we have just seen. So as our, as our praise team comes on back up, and uh, well, we covered a lot today, didn't we? We covered a lot. I hope that you learned some things. And I hope that you learned that we are attached with Christ, aren't we? We're one in Him. We're hammered out of that same piece of gold now. We are the branches that comes off of His vine. We are one in Him. He is the light of the world, but He's challenged us to be the light with Him. Don't hide your light. Don't let your light get extinguished. Don't let it be put out. Don't grieve or quench the Spirit of God. Fill yourself with oil. Fill yourself with the Spirit. Fill yourself with, with the Word of God. And be a light, not only to my household, individually, but to those that I come in contact with in society. And then, as a group, as the body of Christ, as the entire piece of the, the seven of the, of the lampstand, we are to be the same thing. We are to be the light to this community, the light that shines in the darkness. We are to represent and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God going forward. So if you're here this day and you've never joined in with Christ and been in, in faith said, I believe that He is the Son of God and that He died for my sins, that on that cross He bore my sins, He was buried for three days in the heart of the earth, that after that, God and the Holy Spirit arose him through the power of God. And now he sits upon the right hand waiting for all of this to come to the point to where he's going to come back and bring us home. If you are not a part of that and in Christ and have believed and then expressed that faith and baptism, do that today and join in and be a part of it. And then for those of us who have, may this lesson, may we take it home with us and to be that light. And to, to, to be what we're supposed to be. Don't let your light get extinguished. Let it burn 24-7. I'm going to have to check myself in the morning. And I'm going to have to check myself in the night. To see that I'm still full. To see that my wick is trimmed. And that I'm still burning brightly. And I pray that we all do that. And if, if we do that, it's going to become contagious to those around us. And to the world. And then we will truly be what Jesus said, the light of the world and shining his glory. He said all of this, he, he put in there, this is for the glory of God whenever that light is shining and, and burning brightly. So, Father, we thank you for this representation. We cannot fathom, Father, just how marvelous you are in seeing the end from the beginning. Your word says that I prove that I am God and that there is no other gods by I tell you things way before they happen. No one else can do that. I am the living God who sees the end from the beginning and I am all-knowing. And so, Father, seeing those 
events played out in that time and it happened exactly as you said and Zerubbabel did lay that last one. It proves that Zechariah's words were true. That every word in your scripture is true. We claim them as true, Father, and the only truth that we will go by. But that also says that everything you talked about for us in those promises and for the end of days is also true. And so, Father, we thank you. We ask your help as we try to stay full with the oil and to keep our wicks lit and to be a light for you in this world, Father. It's not always easy, and you know that. So help us as we try to do that and help us to encourage each other through these things, Father. And may everything go to your glory, to your honor. And we pray that our worship was done today in spirit and in truth, which are the two things that make up the oil. And so, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
like to introduce somebody here. Mr. Brian Newman is going to be our new keyboard player. We're getting him work done. Answered my prayers right there. One, two, two, three, four.
everybody stand up. Let's get some foot stomping and hand clapping going on with this one. We're going to do it a little differently this time. Some glad morning when this life is over. these guys they did a great job today keep all the prayer flowing and the worship service going please pray with me dear heavenly